Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Well, this is the third in our series on doxologies, and I hope that you have had a chance to listen to one and two to understand what a doxology is. It's praise, giving glory to God for who He is and what He's done, and that ideally it's in a response, Romans 1.21, although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, and that glorifying God and giving thanks to God is the result of knowing God, of experiencing God and His goodness. And so we've been looking at Scripture and just listening to the writings of Paul so far where as he just reflects and remembers in the midst of his writing of all things, he just gets caught up in the wonder of what he's writing about, who he's writing about, and what God and the Lord Jesus have done by the Spirit. And he just erupts into these moments of, to him, to you, O God, be glory forever and ever. To you be glory. To you be glory. And the fact that doxologies aren't just for the end, right? That, that doxologies are hopefully these things that would spring forth even from us, that as we're reflecting on, remembering, we'd find ourselves just bursting into worship, into praise, into giving him glory and thanks and honor and just can't help ourselves because we're just overwhelmed by who he is and what he's like, what he's done. Well, this one actually comes from the little letter Jude, which is only, in this sense, really a letter. Well, they're all letters, but most of them get broke up into chapters Even that, my father would probably be happy that I'd say this today, is that, you know, the Bible never had any numbers or chapters. (laughs) And sometimes he wishes that the letters had no numbers and chapters so that you would read them as a letter. We, the publishers, the editors do that so that we can point to a spot, so that we can direct your attention when we're looking at it. But there were no numbers, no chapter breaks. They were just plain letters. Well, Jude is like just plain letters, similar to, to 3 John, where you just have one chapter. The interesting thing about Jude is that we know that Jude, he says it begins, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. It seems to be a shortened form of one of Jesus' brothers, Judas, that Jesus had a brother, Jude or Judas, and a brother named James. In fact, it's that brother in Acts 15, who becomes the leader of the first church. Now, just imagine that for a moment, right? I I can't even get over that, that here's Jesus, to what extent they ever knew that he seemed to be an illegitimate son. Whether that rumor was out there or not, I don't know. But nonetheless, the fact that he's their firstborn, he's their older brother, and he's just a brother. And remember, even in the Gospels, they come with Mary saying they're looking for Jesus and want to like pull him out of the crowds and whatever, going, maybe Jesus has lost his mind, he's crazy, sorry about this kid in our family, it's an embarrassment. And his response to that is, uh, no, my mother and my brothers and my sisters are those who do the will of the Father. <laughs> he has not lost his mind, Right. And on that day, I can't imagine how they responded. Wait, what do you mean we're not your brothers and sisters and mother? Somewhere along the line, and probably mostly through the crucifixion, resurrection, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, their eyes are opened and they recognize that their brother is not simply a man, but that he's the son of the living God, and that he really is the Savior of the world, that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here he writes this letter And he begins it with Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So he doesn't even say he's a brother of Jesus because he has owned the role that he's a servant of his brother, who is more than his brother. He's Messiah Jesus, the Lord Messiah Jesus. 
He says, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Wonderful beginning to those who have been called. It was cool reading the commentary where it said that just time-wise, I can't go into it, but I think I had six different verses where this constant reminder that Israel is told by God, especially in Isaiah, that you are my called out ones. I called you. I chose you. And then they are the ones whom he loves. And so he says to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and then kept. And here's the interesting thing is there's a several verses about God keeping, even in the, in the priestly blessing, right? I will, I will bless you and keep you. That there's something about belonging to the Lord, that his responsibility as the great shepherd is to keep watch, is to keep us. And I think it's John chapter 6, he says that no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Well, in this letter, though, the word keep shows up here, and then in verse 6, 13, 21, and 24. So, you kind of get the idea that this keeping thing is, is an important theme, and you'll understand why in a moment. But listen to this interesting beginning. He says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, and right, hasn't that been what I've talked about with Paul, especially last week, the wonder of his salvation, and Paul's writing about that salvation? Well, it seems Jude wanted to do the same. I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, and probably would have been a really cool letter. But he says, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith? That was once for all entrusted to the saints. Well, here's why. For certain people whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. And they are godless people who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Imagine the brother of Jesus saying about Jesus, Jesus is Christ, Messiah, and he is our only sovereign and Lord. Language that had been exclusive to their God, Yahweh, that he is the sovereign ruler and king. He alone is Lord. And yet now out of Jude's own mouth, he calls Jesus Christ, sovereign and Lord. And he is really uptight because there are those in their midst who are denying that this is who Jesus is. And then that they're abusing the grace of God that somehow, and this may be no way to know for certain, but remember in Romans chapter 5 and 6 where Paul says, well, should we sin all the more so that grace get about? (laughs) You know, let's go sin like crazy and then say, oh, forgive me, Lord, thank you for your grace. That's utterly to abuse his grace. It's actually to use it, as Jude says here, as a license to do harm, to do wrong, to sin. You got to be kidding. But somehow there are those who have infiltrated their midst and have been saying things like this, to which then Jude goes after them with allusions back to Old Testament stuff. As he said, these people, their condemnation was written about long ago. And so he goes back through Old Testament scriptures and just says, you got to watch out for these kind of people and this is their destiny. And then finally, at the end of the letter, he has this transition moment. And he says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. 
So he begins the letter by saying, we are kept by God for the Lord Jesus. And then those other two places are actually where it talked about the angels not keeping their place and then even about these people that they are being kept for judgment later down the road. But now he returns to this, but he says, instead he exhorts them, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I just think this is such a rich sentence, but the primary verb is keep yourselves. And then we have these participles, which essentially are how you keep yourself in God's love. Folks, first loved to love, first loved ministries. Isn't that the whole point? He wants you to know last week how wide and long and high and deep is to know this love. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. It is important. (laughs) We want to remain in his love. We want to keep ourselves in God's love. And he says, how does that happen? He says, first of all, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, that we help one another, build one another up by reminding each other of what the truth is. As we are in the word, we're encouraging, exhorting, blessing one another in the truth of of our faith, our holy faith. And then the second thing he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. That sometimes that it's in praying in the Holy Spirit, but also by the Holy Spirit, meaning that he's the one, he's the instrument. He's the one who's empowering you to pray. And Paul has this phrase a number of times that we would pray in the Holy Spirit, pray by the Holy Spirit, that recognizing that it's not just praying on our own, but it's praying in or by the Holy Spirit. We need him praying with us. Remember Romans 8 26 and 27, we don't know how we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf according to God's will. What it looks like exactly to be praying in the Spirit, for those of you that it may or may not mean, or at least also include speaking in tongues. If that's not your gift, you haven't, don't have that yet, I'd at least encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 14 again, because it's the one place where Paul just says why it's such a, a helpful gift. And I just want to encourage you, be open to that. When Paul says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, I think it could be one of the ways in which we pray by or in the Holy Spirit. But the critical thing is, is this, how do we keep ourselves in God's love? We got to build one another up in the faith. We got to pray in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. We got to keep ourselves through building ourselves up and praying in the Holy Spirit. We keep ourselves in God's love because we are waiting, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us into eternal life. Folks, it's really true that sometimes in this time between the times, it's tough waiting. But the confidence is that the Lord Jesus will bring us into eternal life. So keep yourselves in God's love. And then he goes into the doxology. To him, and then he interrupts himself. He has to talk about God again for a moment. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. You got to love it, right? There's the other keep. So first he says, keep yourselves in God's love. There's a part for you to do. But now he wants to glorify God. And he says, to him who is able to keep you. God is also working to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from falling, to keep you from being deceived by false teachers, by lies. He 
is also working to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior. (laughs) It's like Jude's got the same problem as Paul. I don't know if it's a problem or what, but they can't just say to him be glory forever and ever. It's like to him, ah, let's remember him. Let's remember who he is. It's his love. He called us. He loved us. He's keeping us. So he says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. So as you're working to keep yourself in his love, by building yourselves up in the holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, by by waiting with the hope of the eternal life when Jesus returns. He says, oh, by the way, to God, to him, who we're going to say to him be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. That's the thing he's trying to get to. But he interrupts himself and says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence. You realize God is working to keep you faultless, to keep you from stumbling, because he's looking forward that day when he's going to bring you and me into his glorious presence. And he says, you know what? That moment's going to be filled with great joy. You know, a lot of people are nervous and afraid in judgment. If you know the love of God, I don't know what that judgment thing is going to look like, but he's saying, look, folks, I'm behind keeping you from stumbling. I am the one who is working in you. Philippians 2, remember Paul said that it is God who is at work in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. We are not doing this alone. He is transforming us as we do our part. He is way behind us, totally wholly behind us. And he is able to keep us from stumbling. And he is able to do this in such a way that he will cause us to come into his presence without fault. And that day is going to be a day, he says, that will be filled with great joy. And then finally, he says, to the only God, our Savior, then, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Yeah, right? That's our God. That's our amazing, amazing God. He who has all glory, all majesty, all power, all authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Let it be so. To the only God, our Savior. Let's praise him. God, we say, To you alone be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God, let it be so. Make it so. Yes, 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 we say to this. You are God our Savior. You are the only God our Savior. You are the God who is able to keep me, keep us from stumbling. You are the God who is able to work in us in such a way that we're going to reach that point that you will bring us safely into your presence without fault and with great joy. It's to you, O God, that we can't help to say glory to you, honor to you, praise to you, majesty to you, power to you, authority to you, just everything to you, O God. Now, forever, all ages, amen. Well, I want you to hear it from the Father, from His heart to yours, as we close out this time. Beloved, beloved, keep yourselves in my love for you. 
Keep yourselves in my love for you. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray, pray in the Holy Spirit as you wait for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. But know that I am able to keep you from stumbling. Keep yourselves in my love for you, but know that I am keeping you from stumbling. And I will keep you and present you before me in my glorious presence without fault and with great joy, because I am the only God, your Savior. Keep yourselves in my love for you by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit as you wait for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Because I am able to keep you from stumbling, I am able to present you before me in my glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I am your only God, your Savior. And so together, Lord, we say, to you be glory, to you be majesty, to you be power and authority through Christ Jesus our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you of your promise for reminding us of how, while we wait, we can keep ourselves in your love and knowing that you are helping us to stay in it. You are coming alongside to keep us from stumbling, from falling. Thank you, God. You're the best. We love you. And we praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.